to another episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I am Jeremy Parmentier here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey there. And Billy Holiday. Hello. Now, we may be hitting some new territory we haven't really come across lately, which is that we actually kind of like the game we're going to talk about today. But before we get to that game, what have you been playing since last time, Billy? Well, and and a lot of people are, are going to be very baffled by this. This is a game that I had followed. I played the uh, the the beta or the demo or whatnot when it came around and I thought it was enjoyable, uh, but I didn't I didn't have much time to put into it, and I just kind of was not playing my 360 much of the time, so I never really got into it when it was released. And I, I just recently got a Xbox One, and I still didn't have any intention of getting it because I had heard pretty much nothing good about it. Uh, but then I saw it on sale recently for for five dollars for the whole thing. Uh, the game itself, uh, all the you know add-ons that came out for it, and it, that game is a uh, Titanfall, and I have been playing that thing just to death lately. I, I mean, it's not busy by any means. There's still you know, even uh, at the lowest maybe three thousand or so people playing it, but I, I've just had such a good time with it, and I think uh, I think our I think old Jeremy Gregory was was going to join me just to, just to humor me probably you know play a round or two but i think i may have dragged him in with me i was i I played it back when it launched and when titanfall first launched it was fun but it was a very bare bones game there wasn't much to it at all there was you it has a single player but that's also it has to be played in multiplayer and it's you know just bot matches basically um and there were there, there wasn't there wasn't too many maps I think there was like nine or ten or so at launch, and even like the the upgrading your character and stuff was there wasn't much to it. Very few weapons, uh, not enough stuff to really be worth unlocking over the course of time, uh, like you'd get in something like Call of Duty. So I played it for about a month and had a lot of fun with it, and just kind of put it down and, and never played it again. And then when Billy started playing, and uh, he was like, you know, this is really fun. I was like, yeah, I should play that again. Hopped on there with them, and they have added a substantial amount of stuff. Most of it for free. I think all of it for free. Um, they've doubled or more the map count now. There are more weapons in it now. And uh, it, there's just a lot more stuff in general that makes it worth uh, kind of playing over and over. Like the whole card system, burn system that the game calls it. Uh, and uh, the rank chips and things like that. It, it makes you feel... Uh, it, like there's there's more substance to the game than there was before. So I have definitely got re-addicted to it, and that is all that I have been playing. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm playing <laughs> Titanfall again. <laughs> uh, I can see that. I, I like getting sucked into something like that where it's had a lot of time to kind of flesh itself out, and all of a sudden you jump in, and it's all new to you. So it's nice. I think it was just one of those things that it was hyped into the stratosphere as like the biggest thing that was ever going to come out when it did. 
and you play it and it's really fun when you play it but i mean there was nothing there beyond just the initial wow factor of being able to call down a giant robot and, and play around in it uh and it just did not last so it, it's great to yeah it's definitely great to come back i, I guess now like almost two years later and see what all they've added to this game, and, and it's pretty impressive what they've what they've added to it. Yeah, I think it's it's taken an arc similar to me with uh, with Destiny, where you know the game, all the hype leading up to it, uh, it, it came out, and it was it was fun for a little bit, but once you did everything there was to do, which was not a lot, uh, you kind of got tired of it. But then, I mean, come back a year later or so. And there's just so much to do, and it's just a, a completely different and, and much better experience. So I guess what you should take from this is never play video games when they first come out. Come come back Mm-mm. two or three years later and, and get the whole experience. Yes. I mean, I think that's especially true with multiplayer games. I mean, uh, you know, none of us have really played a lot of Splatoon, but it's that's the kind of game where at first it was like, yep, this is okay, but they keep adding more and more and more to it, and now it's you know got a pretty dedicated following. Uh, I still have no interest in playing it, but it's the same kind of situation. Don't play it at first. Wait a little bit and then jump in. Yep. Well, all I've played since since last week is RPGs because I don't know why I won't finish them. I just keep starting more and more. So I'm, I'm at the end of Xenoblade Chronicles X still. Uh, I've, I've been playing a lot of Suikoden since I downloaded that uh, for the, the Vita. And then today, for no good reason except that I was just staring at, at uh, the screen with nothing to do, I started playing Fantasy Star 4. Uh, for the Sega Genesis, because I never played that. I've only played the original Fantasy Star, uh, and then Fantasy Star Online, which doesn't really count. And, uh, and I've had you know two, three, and four on that Sonic Genesis collection, so I thought I would go ahead and give that a shot. Um, you know, it's fun. It, all those games are are different enough. I kind of like playing them at the same time just to see how they're different. But uh, but Fantasy Star Four is one of those games where all their games they kind of rename magic spells. So if you have a spell that casts fire, it's it's not close to anything that would say fire on the spell it'll have some weird like combination of letters and you're supposed to figure out what each spell does i'm sure the book would tell you but as i don't have a book i'm just guessing at random by using them every time uh, which is frustrating but and I'm, I'm spoiled by games now which will tell you literally like you know this is a fire spell this is a water spell this is a healing spell i had that problem when i was playing uh legend of grimrock uh it, I, I never figured out the whole magic thing in that in that game i know those are to- two totally different games but uh well, in Grimrock, really had a hard time there. in Grimrock, I think you're not supposed to know. Like that, the oh, way okay. that that's set up, because you you earn magic spells by finding, uh, you'll find the recipes for them basically. Like that tell you what, um, it's like that you design runes essentially, and it tells you what runes will do each thing, and you can only do certain runes at certain power levels. But I think you're other than the, the one you start with if you play a magic user. I think you're supposed to find the others throughout the game. Now, once uh, you've learned them in a previous game, you can just start using it again. Uh, you can use a spell without having the the page that tells you how to use it, but especially at first, if you just try to randomly pick a bunch of stuff, you, you're not going to get very far, and sometimes that'll actually kill you. So, okay. Like I, I do like have to ask though, um, you start a lot of role playing games. Yes. Like, are you one of those kind of people that that can play the multiple role playing games at the same time, or do you just kind of start them and and then just go with the one that you like the most and finish that one? It, it ends up being that most of the time. I always think I'm going to play them all. Like right now, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to finish Xenoblade Chronicles, and I'm definitely going to finish Suikoden because I am going to finish those two. Fantasy Star Four was kind of an impulse, and I'm into it right now, but I'm going to get to a point with one of those other two games where it's going to take all my time again. Um, you know, at Xenoblade, I'm just at the point where I have to just grind. I have to grind a lot, and I'm not enjoying grinding. I mean, it's not bad, but I really want to get through 
uh, the, the fight that I'm in. The, the, one of the problems I have with Xenoblade Chronicles is if you accept a story mission uh, or what they call like a, a, a connection mission or a character mission or something like that. But either way, if you start two certain types of missions, you can never cancel them and you can't pick another mission until you finish that mission. So the one I'm on now is the, the 11th story mission out of, I believe, 12. And so I'm at the last part of it. But I can't do anything other than grind and finish that mission or it won't let me accept other missions. Mm. And I might have picked it a little too early. So I've got to do a fair amount of grinding. And I'll get back to that at some point. But, yeah, I don't know. I am that person that starts 100 RPGs and doesn't finish them. Uh, that's, that's what I do. But I, I like to play them <laughs> enough where I have an idea how the system works. And I always find something that grabs me in the systems. Um, so Fantasy Star, it's... It's pretty standard. I'd say it's better than the, the basic Final Fantasy, but it's it's probably not better than a more advanced Final Fantasy. But enough about talking about old role-playing games, because this week's game is not a role-playing game at all in any way, shape, or form. This week we talk about Skull Monkeys for the PlayStation. <laughs> Skull Monkeys itself is a part of a series of games that are the Neverhood series. Uh, the first game was put out on the PC only at first. It's a point-and-click adventure game, uh, but it was notable because everything looks like it's made out of clay. Uh, and that game is just called the Neverhood. I don't know if you guys have played that before. I did play it, but I haven't finished it. I played it myself um, way after the fact because when I first saw Skull Monkeys on PlayStation, I had no idea that Neverhood even existed. And eventually I, I found out about Neverhood and was uh, was like, oh man, more Skull Monkeys. But no, that game is not Skull Monkeys. It is a point-and-click adventure game. As as, uh, as it, it, That's just what it is. And um, it's fun. It's cool. It definitely looks cool. Uh, just as crazy a story and characters as what's in Skull Monkeys. But uh, very enjoyable. Holds up well. Yeah, I had never played the original. I had no clue about it or really most of this series i believe as you go through i have probably played the last one uh to come around in the series but i had no clue about the original neverhood until i had played uh this one and i, I do probably uh based on my experience with this one i'm at least going to go back uh and give that one a shot probably it's got the same sort of humor that this game has and it does have the same characters uh the the story in skull monkeys continues from where the neverhood kind of ends more or less um but it's a, it's a totally different style of game because it is point and click this this game skull monkeys is classic 2d side scrolling you know mario style action but again everything looks like it's made out of clay 
and it's very interesting. All the levels are very different uh, from each other as far as graphically. I mean, the game kind of, you know, what, what can you do with a 2D side-scrolling running and jumping game that isn't the same over and over again? But the levels look very different, and they do kind of expand as you're going through the game and give you more and more abilities um, based on just other things that are in the stages. So the Neverhood, uh, if, if you played Earthworm Jim, is actually a, a company founded by Doug Tendapel, the creator of Earthworm Jim, who left shiny and, and started his own company and this was the series of games that he put out i believe they only put out the three games in the neverhood series uh, neverhood which we already discussed and the game we're going to talk about today skull monkeys and a third game boom bots that we'll talk about a little bit later um it's skull monkeys is the one that i had found first as well i didn't find the neverhood i mean i had seen it because i was still working at electronics boutique when it came out so i saw the box and everything but it didn't grab me even though it looked interesting skull monkeys from the get-go. We only got one copy of it, I believe, when it came out. No one ever bought it. And so eventually it went down to $20, and I took it home, and, and I immediately was like, I should have bought this at the start of this thing. I don't know why it didn't pick up, except that, I guess, you know, PlayStation era, if you weren't a, a, a bad 3D platformer, then Sony wasn't pushing it. And this is definitely not a, a bad 3D platformer. It's a very solid 2D platformer, uh, of which that the, the PlayStation had very few of. Yeah, this was just kind of at the time that you know, the, the PlayStation was out and, and 3D uh, video games were like the big thing. And when I say 3D, I mean polygonal. Um, and anything that kind of looked like the older 16-bit games, especially side-scrollers, just got ignored completely. Uh, you would be lucky to see any sort of coverage in gaming magazines, uh, definitely no commercials on TV. And especially for something like Skull Monkeys, which was uh, this kind of out-of-nowhere thing that no one really knew anything about. Uh, you you didn't hear anything anything about it at all. No, and I actually I had no clue about this game. I, I would recognize it once uh, it was brought up. It's what we were playing, and I went on Google to kind of uh, get a look at just you know the front and whatnot, and, and it was instantly recognizable. I had seen uh, some some shots from it, and especially the main character I had seen in several magazines over the years. Uh, but I think the the main problem for me was I was around this time I was a, a big Nintendo 64, man. I had a PlayStation and an N64, but uh, the PlayStation went ignored for, for a good part. So a lot of PlayStation games, I would not, uh, especially even the bigger ones, I wouldn't catch up on for you know, a few years after they had had come along. You know, when the 64, I had kind of died out with that, and I just wanted to look back and go through the bargain bin for the PlayStation and, and see what I had been missing out on. Uh, but still, this one, I just... No clue that it really even existed. Well, it, it didn't do itself any favors. Uh, the, the the screenshots on the back of the box are fine, but they don't really tell you that you know show you anything other than this is a platformer. Um, and even the first level of the game is is pretty straightforward. I mean, literally all you do is run, jump, collect little balls of clay, and and try. You know, you can land on enemies to kill them, or you just try to avoid them. Uh, and you get a few of the items that you find throughout the game, uh, pickup items. There's a like a little glowy ball that lets you shoot a bullet forward. And I think you get the, the birds in the first level maybe, which let you turn your hand at, like mm -hmm. turn your hand into a bird that then rips off and flies towards an enemy and explodes mm -hmm. at them. Um, you know, it's it's interesting mechanics, you know, as far as using the the idea that the game is made out of clay and looks like clay, a lot of the, the <laughs> items really do use that. But, it, but again, if you're just playing this the first time, even if there was a demo for this game, I don't know if it would hook you at first because the first level is so basic. Well, and, let me, and yeah, that goes along with one of my major uh, concerns because you guys seem very excited about it. So I was hoping we were going to get into a, a real good game here uh, for a change. 
I don't think we've done that yet. But I, I started playing, and, and I believe I took it to uh, to the group chat between the three of us, and I said, does this game, does it get any harder? Because I, I've been playing for like a half hour now, and I think I had probably just taken a hit or two, and it just kept giving you extra lives. I mean, extra lives are very easy to come by in this game, and that's usually for two reasons. One is the game's just extraordinarily easy, or two, something's going to occur later on that is going to completely deplete you of those lives and it wasn't much later that yeah the difficulty in this thing ramps up and you know they're always there's new power-ups you pick up along the way or you know new uh strategies you know there's vehicles here and there later on there's there's vines and there's new mechanics and it just it it, i I was playing all the way through and i was just uh, this is such a foreign concept after all the games we played a game that gradually lets you learn and then ramps up the difficulty and lets you apply what you learned during those easier stages. So it's it's good game design, which is probably why it was such a foreign concept to me. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely one of those. I mean, it it is a long game. So those first few stages, um, that, you know, the whole first world basically is is super basic. And yeah, if if uh, you know, you're kind of expecting the the ramp up of of other similar games like Mario or something like that. It doesn't come very quickly at all. You've you've got to wait it out um, a few few worlds before that difficulty ever really comes into play. But once mm-hmm. it ramps it up, it's there to stay. Uh, it it does last all the way to the very end of the game. wears out its welcome i know you just said it was a a long game do you think it's too long of a game i as a kid and this time also when playing it i definitely got to the point where i was i I was kind of done with it like i love skull monkeys this this is one of my favorite platformers of all time but it is a long game and it um definitely about the time about three-fourths through the game after you've seen just about every single thing this game can throw at you, and there there is a lot of stuff that it keeps bringing up over the course of the game, I just got to the point where I was like, man, you know, I just kind of want to beat this because I'm I'm kind of getting bored with with playing this the same stuff over and over at this point. It doesn't lend itself to to speed playing. Like you're not going to do a speed run of this necessarily. I think it'll still take you, you know, five or six hours to do a speed run on this thing uh, because it it is there's 17 worlds. Uh, five bosses are in those worlds, and each world is three, four, or five segments where you'll go through what would be a regular level of, say, Super Mario Brothers in length, and you'll get from the start of that to the end of that, and then there's like a big clay ball you jump into, and then bam, you're in like stage one, two, essentially. They don't name them that, but it's, you know, you basically have to go through three or four phases in each world before you would get to the end of that world and you know what's a save point and it's not really a save point in this case it's a, i found it refreshing that they use passwords on a system that had memory cards and everything else <laughs> saved but uh, but yeah at the end of the world you earn a new password so you can start from that world going forward um 
but it's long. I mean, it's a very each of those levels is is long enough. I mean, you can you can kind of run through each one in a few minutes, but there are some that you can't. Uh, you mentioned the vines, Billy, as as mm-hmm. comes in later. I think that might be the hardest level in the game. Uh, is a level mm-hmm. that it's called like it might even be just put called Int Vines or uh, Int Garden, and it is it, the timing you need to use on your jumps to get through the vines while not hitting these these ant flying ant people that are all over the stage is is ridiculous. I mean, I died over and over and over and over and over again, and I'd beaten this before, so it's not like I I didn't know what was coming or what was there, but just the timing was exact. And I think, you know, this is this is one of those games where you you have one life, one hit point. You don't have a, a life bar. You get hit once and you die. And there are some items you can find that you know you get a halo that gives you kind of a a shield, and you have what's looks like a green head covered in mist that lets you fart out a clone of yourself that you can run forward and, and do all those hard sections. And if it dies, then you don't lose a life, but you go back to where you were. Um, but even with all those things, I still just kept dying over and over again on, on that stage because the timing was exact. And it, the, the difficulty ramps up immediately there. And then I think the next three stages after that, I don't think I died once. I think I blew through the next three worlds without any problems. But that one's probably world 11 or 12, and it's just ridiculous. So one thing I, w- I want to talk about, and I'm going to put it throughout this whole episode, the music in this game is mm. awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, the, the regular stage music uh, is good. I mean, it's it's great. It's probably some of the best we have heard, and I think it definitely, where you have had to scramble to figure out what, what you know, what musical interludes you're putting throughout an episode. You, you won't have any trouble for this uh, man. But when I got to the first bonus stage... <laughs> that bonus stage song, if you don't plan to play the game, at least do yourself the favor of looking up a video of it. Uh, rarely have I sat, have I stood still and not moved just so I could hear an entire stage's song play out. But I did on this occasion. Well, you don't even have to find a video. I guarantee you it will be the song at the end of this episode. I'm going to end with a bonus room mm-hmm. song. It's, it's pretty great. And then the bonus rooms are, uh, in each world, there are three swirly Little blue swirlies look like Dreamcast symbols. Hidden in the stage, if you find all three swirlies and you don't have to continue at any point, so you make it through without, without uh, having run of all your lives, you'll go to a bonus room, which is another place where, as Billy said, they throw one-ups at you. The bonus stage is just covered in, in one-ups and extra items and, and clay you're supposed to collect because if you get 100 clay balls, you get extra life as well. I mean, if you can go to all those bonus stages, I don't think you'll have to continue too many times till you get to a level that, you know, for whatever reason hits you hard like for me it was the vines and the very last level yeah i don't think you're i mean if you can spend any amount of time at at all looking through these stages and collecting the little clay balls or whatever and finding the secret hidden rooms the game is very very generous with with extra lives even though it does give out those those passwords and stuff like that i you know i i at some point i had like an excess of like 30 extra guys and uh so the game is is definitely just 
if you spend any time with it at all exploring, you're going to have more than enough guys to beat that game. Well, there are plenty of secrets. I mean, every level has has a number of secrets. When you finish the world, it will tell you how many secrets were there and how many you found. Um, and, and sometimes there are little, you know, little things like you run past the exit to a level and there's a bunch of items you can pick up. Or other times it's actually pretty involved and you'll have to find a way to activate secret platforms that raise you to parts of the levels you wouldn't normally get to. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you take the time to really explore those levels and find all those secrets, I don't think you'd run out of items. Now, I don't know if you guys did this. I do this in every game where you have you know, pickups like this. I kept you know, holding them and hoarding them and not using them. So, that, <laughs> so at some point I was playing on my main game and it was like, I have 20 <laughs> of these fireball things I never use. And I have you know, six or seven of the, the fart guys and I have the whatever his, his brother is or his friend who collects everything with his giant head. I had a bunch of those. I never used any of them. And then it got to a certain point where I was like, this is why I can't get through these stages. I'm, I have all these items, and I'm refusing to use them. And once I did that, I was able to blow through a lot of the things I was, I was getting stuck on. That ice world, because it has to have an ice world. It's a platformer. It, generally not hard, but the, some of the enemy placement in that is ridiculous to get over if you don't use the items. So once I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I not using these items? I'm not saving them for anything special. I know how this game runs. I've, I've played it all the way through before. I don't need to save these things. Then I actually felt like once you have that many, it almost made it way too easy because I, <laughs> I had this excess of all these attack items and, and uh, invincibilities and all these other things. I was like, yeah, okay, here we go. Let's just blow up through this game. Yeah, I, I did the same. I, I just collected them. I hoarded them early on, and I, I was under the impression, you know, all right, it's really easy right now. Uh, I... I don't really need to use these and I'm going to hold them out, you know, just in case the shit hits the fan later on and I'm really going to have to. And I, and I'm glad I did. I think that's a good strategy. Hold on to these until you get stuck. And I think through use of uh, most of the items, I mean, there's even an item that just you know, clears out every enemy on the screen, which is, which is handy, you know, for, especially during the, the vine stages to get rid of some of those enemies hanging out around there. Um, but yeah, uh, anytime you're stuck here, if you have enough items, you can pretty much blast your way through most problems. We've already kind of stated that we all like this game. We think it's a good platformer. I think that this is one of the best platformers I own. I only own, I only kept like three PlayStation games from all the games I own uh, by this point, and one of them is Skull Monkeys, and the other two are the Abe's games. I don't know why I like those games so much, except that I enjoy frustration, but I save those as well. But this this game is kind of like a greatest hits of the Super Nintendo and Nintendo era platformers. It has vehicles in some parts. It has a level where you have to 
ride this beast that constantly runs forward. So you're trying to dodge things in an, you know, a constantly scrolling, uh, running world. There's, um, it, it, Jeremy told me he found a level that I somehow totally didn't didn't find. Uh, where you you're it's like an overhead shooter. I don't know how I missed a level completely. It's a bonus of, of some sort. Um, and then again, it has bosses, all of which are different, but are not really that difficult, but at least they all have different mechanics. It's not all the same. You know, it's not Bowser at the end of every five levels. It's it's totally different boss mechanics for each fight. Sometimes, you know, one of them you have a ship that, that you have to use to shoot at a boss uh, while, while flying left, you know, up and down on the left side of the screen. So it's got a lot of different variants on the classic 2D platforming. It does them all fairly well. I mean, I think it, even though it's a little long, as long as you're not in a rush and you, you're willing to enjoy the scenery, it's a great game. Uh, all around with with some flaws and I'd like to talk about the flaws uh, you know so that we don't feel like we're just talking about what a great game this is and that's the end of the podcast good night so I, my first complaint is it, the jumping is a little floaty there's definite parts where I f- when the platforms are very thin and you're trying to do a series of them to get to you know from one gap to another that there's a lot of times where I would accidentally run off the side of a platform or you know I think I was right on to land it and because of uh, the game is everything looks like it's made of clay and it's pretty involved but i would i don't want to say i fell through the platform i definitely missed it but i thought i was lined up perfectly and i wasn't and just the slight tap of your controller and you fly you know off the side of that platform yeah the the biggest thing with this jump is when he gets to the height of his jump any other character in a video game will immediately start descending um clayman uh, he will get to the top of his jump and then just kind of hang there for a, you know just about half a second longer and that really kind of it, it, i've played this game so much uh that it it's it still even to this day affected some of my jumps and uh, i i don't know what it is it's just a really kind of weird um control thing with it but it's still more than playable and if you've got the bird power up which allows you to kind of float down um that pretty much negates any problems i had with the jumping and I, I think, yeah, the jumping is a is a tr- is a problem. And I thought that a lot of times I thought I had jumped proper enough to land on an enemy to kill them, only to find out that I just maybe just sort of grazed the top of them, and and I took the hit instead. I thought that the the areas kind of where you needed to jump on the enemy weren't very clear, and a lot of times you would make an identical jump. Sometimes you kill them. Sometimes you take a hit. Well, another another issue I had was the, you know, I already kind of mentioned this, but the bosses are extremely easy for the most part. I mean, the the very first boss you fight, you might actually kill him before he does an attack uh, by accident. I mean, it's three hits on his head and he's out, and you can do that pretty quickly before he does a thing about it. Um, The only boss I had, there's five bosses. There's that first boss that's just like a giant monkey, and then there's a guy called Joe Head Joe, which is a... I guess one of the developers or someone who worked on the game, their head with like a monkey body <laughs> attached to it, uh, and it spits fire and shoots its eyes out. Again, all the bosses look really cool, and they, they have their own neat mechanics, but I thought, you know, once you take 10 seconds to look at the boss and see what he does, you're like, oh, okay, and you'll blow through that boss in no problems. You know, I didn't really mind. I, I knew going into this that the bosses weren't really hard, but they're so ridiculous that it's uh, it, it's always just fun to see what they are, and and you know they're all usually very large and and got some some really interesting animations and funny attacks and stuff like that that i i don't think the bosses were ever much uh supposed to be like uh, you know something that was super challenging in the game uh especially since there's no actual last boss to the game at all 
Um, and especially coming from our last platformer, which was JJ and Jeff, which fe- featured the same boss uh-huh. over and over again all the way through. It was nice just to have a little bit of variety in these uh, the bosses that you you do get in this game. Well, it's I mean it's not a complaint that, that I think is a, a major complaint. It was just a minor gripe, but because the other the other thing is it's hard to balance that. So either either your bosses are way too hard or they're way too easy. It's very hard to really nail that that perfect level of like this is this was just hard enough that I feel like I completed something, I accomplished something, but not so hard that I hate this game and I never want to play it again. And yeah, I think I guess I was just surprised they were so easy because they because they're all so different. And you could tell they spent a lot of time on those encounters, but then you can just breeze through them. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem like they you know they spent more time designing them than they did you know on their attack patterns and and whatever. But I don't know, maybe they just uh, maybe they just want them in there just to have fun with them um, or just to have bosses because um, I don't know. Like I said, just not having a last boss seems to to show the how much confidence they had in the, in the previous bosses. Yeah, that's that's not as much of a complaint, but it is weird to get to the end of a game and just kind of like there's a door and you go out the door and that's the end of the game. Good end. The end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Billy, do you have anything you ran into that you really you just could not get past as far as just kind of bugged you the whole time? I mean, it was the vines. I think it's the vines. I think you sit down anybody that plays this. They're going to tell you the vines were the, the difficult part. But uh, you had spoke about, uh, you know, the difficulty of it. But you just you, you kept on. And with this game, I think it's a sign of a good game. Even if you find a part where you're dying over and over again, when the difficulty ramps up, you're, you never really get frustrated. You never really get angry. You never think about, you know, I'm, I'm just going to quit. You never think about sitting it down and, you know, and calling it quits on it. Uh, and I just think that's a sign of how, how I mean, even with the trouble, even with the, the controls, yeah, and the, the boss is very imaginative to look at, but like you guys said, pretty easy for the most part, even though the one that was the developer's head got an audible gasp out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that does not happen too often. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that even with all the the negative, the, and there are negatives. I mean, I think we've played so many awful games that this uh, this looks like a real diamond in the rough to us at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just it's very well put together. Nothing really was so bad complaint wise that I really hold it against it. I just very enjoyable altogether. I- I guess my only complaint that I found uh, throughout the game, other than just being too long, um, is uh, it's kind of a weird... It only crops up every now and again, but when it did, I'd die every single time. So in a lot of these stages, uh, the, the, the actual background picture is just a picture. Mm. It never scrolls. It never goes up, down, left, right, anything. So if you get uh get away from where there are platforms or a part of the stage that is actually moving under you uh like if you're dropping down to something below that you can't see or something like that then nothing is moving on the screen and so i i lost track of what the whatever inertia i had i couldn't tell if i was going too far i wasn't going far enough um and and that's that hit me every now and again to where uh when it does it's just I'm just like, man, why why couldn't they have just put something? And a lot of the stages they actually do. They have something in the background that actually scrolls in front of, of that static image. But there are definitely a few stages here and there that just have that static image. And it um, if there's any platforming at all, it, it's something. It, it's kind of hard to get past.
So with, you know, like we said, it's a great game, has some minor flaws, but but what it makes up with those flaws with is it has a lot of character. The game is actually funny. I think even the some of the basic enemies, the fact that it's just these clay monkeys that make screaming monkey sounds while they run back and forth with, with skulls on their heads. I, I found all the enemies in the game to at least be interesting the first time you see them. Um, but it, after certain worlds, you earn little clay videos uh, that explain the story of what's going on. The Clayman's trip through the, I think it's Planet Idznak, uh, to, to stop Clog from building a Mighty Engine Number no. 9 machine to come destroy your home planet where he's from originally anyway. There's the story. Uh, but it's just, it's explained, you know, his, his journey through the planet is enhanced with these little clay movies. I think they're amazing. I would watch just those clay movies on their own. Oh, yeah. And, and this game, and I always get worried when they, they tout a game for its humor because uh, humor in video games, I don't know why. I just... It, very rarely works for me. But yeah, this game is legitimately funny. Uh, you take those scenes, you can make them into a short, and, you know, and it would be well worth sitting down to watch. Um, all the humor here was just spot on, and uh, especially even if Jeremy Gregory hadn't shown it to me like seven or eight times, uh, th- <laughs> that Beans cut scene you know, was just as hilarious this time as it was the first. Possibly the finest fart joke ever put into a video game and, and just the so. fact that the the song that's playing while while it's happening god it, it is a uh, it's great i am a simple man when it comes to humor <laughs> you know i can i can laugh with the best of them at some of the you know most the craziest shit out there but you put a fucking good fart joke or a poop joke in in something and i will sit there and laugh like a 10 year old and mm. this game is definitely filled with that uh just some great great animation all around with these uh you know the the clay characters uh the designs of the characters and just the little uh the stories that they put out there with those uh the the little cutscenes and stuff is it's really really great and and i'm not even a fan of claymation that shit it kind of creeps me out but this is one of the only claymation things i've ever had in my entire life that still entertains me to this day and i i still do laugh at that um that beans cutscene every time i see it (laughs) Well, I'll have to to put it up on Twitter, a link to that, because you're right. That by itself would sell me on this game if I didn't already know what a great game it was. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, when I rented this, I had no clue what it was. I just it had skull in the name and I like skeletons. So that was really it. And uh, it looked neat on the back of the box and getting home and and seeing what it was and actually playing it. It was uh, it was a hell of a find. And I would have I would have hated missing out on this back in the day. So after Skull Monkeys, The Neverhood only put out one more game as The Neverhood, which was called Boom Bots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very excited when I saw Boom Bots was coming out because I had played Skull Monkeys and I loved it. And, and I saw that Clayman was a character in this game. And I took it home, and it is essentially like a, a two-player Power Stone-style fighting game. You know, it's a, a 3D area uh, arena where you can run around, you find pickups, and you throw them at each other, and you get, you get some... Sp- uh, basic abilities that that shoot things at each other, but it's only two players, and it's not like you have two players and a bunch of computer opponents. It's one on one fighting. There is nothing else to it. Uh, it does have some of those cinema scenes like this did, but not nearly as many, and they weren't nearly as good. Uh, I found it to be. I, I don't. It's almost like it felt like it was a piece of a game, and they didn't finish that game. And like that's fine, just put it out. That's what we have money for. That's what we're gonna do. Uh, very yeah. disappointing. Yeah, I think I think another big uh, yeah, it's much like Power Stone. I think one of the big differences was Power Stone was good, 
Uh, but with this one, yeah, if I this is the only game from this this developer that I had played, and having oh, having played this one, if I knew they had made previous games, I probably wouldn't have touched them. Uh, this was just a dismal, dismal game. It's more it's more in line with what we would review here normally. <laughs> I didn't even know I, I, that Boombots was connected to it. I. I just barely remember hearing anything about it, and I watched a few YouTube clips of it before this podcast, and wow. I mean, these guys, you know, maybe they felt like they needed to, to keep trying something different because their first game was a point-and-click adventure game. That was awesome. Their second game was this awesome side-scroller, and now they're trying their hand at a fighting game, basically. And it it's just abysmal-looking. I mean, it's... It, it's got some neat little features and, and graphics in it, but overall it looks like a developer tried to make a fighting game that has no idea how to actually make a fighting game. Which that happened a lot in the 90s, though. That did, but good lord. I, I would hope that maybe these guys would have, at some point, they could have seen this and been like, oh my god, this is not a good <laughs> game. We need to, let's just make another side-scroller. But yeah, this is totally like a, a 3D kind of Power Stone uh, you, you got a little arena to run around in and a couple of little uh, platforms you can jump on it, but it, it looks incredibly simple and just not, not fun at all. It's got a very sluggish looking pace to it as well. Yeah. It, it definitely came out at a $20 price point. So that's your first sign that they knew as well, that this was not a good game, but I think they just put too much time and effort into it that they couldn't just throw it out. So yeah, I said so. they released it. It was unimpressive. And that was the last game they put out uh, until fairly recently. And it's not, it's not the Neverhood technically, and it's not a sequel. But uh, Doug Tendapel and, and some of the guys that worked on this game and Earthworm Jim have put out a, a PC only so far, I believe. Uh, kind of point and click adventure again, uh, much like the Neverhood, but called Armacrog. Uh, I've not played it yet, but it looks, looking at videos of it, it looks very, very similar to the Neverhood. I'll take that any day over a fighting game that's <laughs> uh <laughs> you know i i've i've had people say since i actually found out that they put out another game that it's not uh you know up to the standards of what the neverhood was but i i would look forward to to actually playing another you know even if it's not that great i'll, I'll play it well I, I like that they're at least not not redoing it like it's not like they're putting out the neverhood 2 or like a re-release of the neverhood with all new gameplay or anything i like that it's it's a very similar game uh but it's it's a totally different thing. It's not connected, and here you go. Kind of like, um, uh, although it's not out yet, and so far it sounds like it's a disaster. But uh, Muddy Number Nine versus Mega Man. You know, it's not like he he went out and said, "I'm going to remake Mega Man." He said he's making his own game that's essentially Mega Man, but it's still its own thing. And yeah. if it actually works out, it'll be great. Somehow it, it's not seeming like it's coming together as nicely as it should. But I'll wait until I play the final version to make that decision. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
So actually, that brings me up to a, we we do not have a listener question for this week, but I I actually thought you know because Armor Krog being kind of its own reimagining of the idea of a game. Uh, do you guys like when companies put out a either an HD remake of a of a classic game or a an HD reimagining of a game? The ones I'm thinking of uh, as a good comparison is. Um, maybe five or six years ago, maybe ten years ago at this point. But they put the on the Xbox 360 and I think PS3, they put out uh, Bionic Commando Remastered, which is the original Bionic Commando for Nintendo, but with all you know an all-new HD graphic set. It looks amazing, but it's still the same game. It plays basically the same, um, although you could play with a jump option if you wanted to, uh, but you don't have to use it, and it can play exactly like the Nintendo version. But then they also at the same time put out whatever that 3D Bionic Commando was, it was a reimagining of the of the whole franchise that, you know, tanked as it deserved to and, and died horribly. I mean, did you guys I, even enjoy that? I like that one, actually. Really? Yeah, uh, hot dog arm and all. I, I quite <laughs> enjoyed that one. I mean, I it, it, it just depends. I mean, I love when they do a good... Uh, good remaster, I guess. And, and I'm not just talking about bringing the original game over... Uh, in, into doing like high definition graphics or something like that, but what they did with the uh, the Bionic Commando game that was an amazing. I mean, what is is that called a remaster or, or what? It, what it, would you? I mean, I would call that a remastering because it's the same game, but it's 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 not like they just upres the graphics. I mean, they totally rebuilt the graphics, but kept the actual gameplay and structure and the way the levels are laid out exactly the same. But it just looks a hundred times better than it did at the time. Uh, yeah, much that like was, the, the DuckTales really remastering. Great. That was the same kind of idea. They took the original DuckTales, and they, they did add a little bit to it, but it, it, they added it in the right way, so it doesn't feel inappropriate to be there. And they, they just totally redesigned, you know, re, rebuilt the game from the ground up, but kept the game exactly the same. I like that. Yeah, that, that's great. Now, reimagining, uh, like with the, the 360 Bionic Commando uh, with Hot Dog Arm Guy, um, I'm okay with those, but 90% of the time they turn out awful. Um, I never played the 360 Bionic Commando, so I'm not sure what all, but I just remember everyone hating that game with a passion, uh, especially the story. Um, Since it's the only time we may be able to speak of this 360 Bionic Commando, uh, (laughs) and and, and warning, spoilers ahead, in case you hadn't finished it yet, go ahead and pause (laughs) it, finish your playthrough, then come back. Jeremy P., did you finish that game? I didn't play the, the 3D one long enough to finish it, no. I, I beat right, well, the, the ones that were the remaster, and then they put out essentially their own sequel to Bionic Commando that was still a 2D mm-hmm. uh, built off the same. I beat both of those, but I did not beat the 3D Bionic Commando. Well, I was going to discuss it. Instead, I'll just put it out there. Did you know that at the end of the game, you find out that your arm is made out of your dead wife? Wow. That is a turn not seen on the NES release. What a dark turn indeed, and it it changed the way when I went back to play the original that I looked at it because I just assume that's the case then also. I don't believe that's true. I don't. I don't think it was ever part of the story. And why would you add that to the story? That's horrible. And there you go. You've got the 360 Bionic Commando, and, and it, every reason why everybody hates it. Uh, besides, I guess everybody saying that it was just kind of average. Um, you know, just how how you play it. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's fine. Uh, There have been reimaginings that I really loved. uh, One being the uh, the Silent Hill on on the Wii Mm. Uh, Shattered Memories, I guess it was called. And that was an amazing reimagining of the the first game Uh, and just took it. They they took that original game and they just made it their own. 
and it, there are obviously problems with it and everything, but that was, uh, that's one of my favorite Silent Hill games. And if you would have told me that somebody was going to reimagine one of my favorite games of all time, the original Silent Hill, I would have probably <laughs> just been like, no, that ain't, I'll never like that. But I, I loved it. So sometimes it can definitely work out. And just other times, I guess it really just depends on, you know, who, who's making it and, and how much passion they have for the original, the original game and what ideas they've got and how well it would work into something that would be a reimagined game of it. So I don't know. Sometimes I'm fine with it and other times it just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, really hit or miss. Sometimes something that you think is not going to work. Um, and yeah, that Silent Hill for the Wii is a, a shining example of something that, you know, you're going to take a, a, a beloved game like the first Silent Hill and now you're going to port it over to, to a Nintendo system. Uh, on paper, you would think, you know, you're going to get something awful. But it turned out really great, and I really enjoyed that one. I played through it once and have always wanted to go back and play through it again. Uh, but then you take something that looks like a sure bet, and that was the uh, the Silent Hill HD uh, remaster of oh, 2 and 3. Yeah. Uh, from the And you're just going up one generation, PS2 to PS3. You know, get a fresh coat of paint, uh, and that's really, you know, really all it needs. Uh, but they messed around with that thing. It's such a shoddy conversion and went as far as to change uh the sound a lot of the soundtrack from the third one which was a very memorable sound i didn't even get my guitar riff at the beginning of the third one (laughs) and you don't know how long i hung out around that area just to kind of hear that for a minute or two yeah i think it just it wildly wildly varies and like jeremy said it's how much effort uh they want to put into it rather than just how much money they want to make real quick there was a, I, I guess, a, a thing recently about that Silent Hill HD collection and why it was in such a shoddy state. And I guess when Konami actually hired these, uh, this developer to remaster them, the code that they sent them was actually, uh, it was like a, almost like it was half done. Mm. Konami didn't actually have the finished code to Silent Hill 2 and 3 to give them. So they actually had to give them uh, you know, pre-final code. And so they, they said, they, and they didn't even know this until they were going through the code. And it was like, they had to fix all of these bugs and, and all this other shit that, uh, you know, the original uh, developers had, had already fixed before the game was released. So they were basically just left with a big old pile of shit that they had to salvage as much as they could. And yeah, that, it, it still didn't turn out great. Next episode, we're going to play a game that does not have a remake as of yet. Uh, And it's actually the first time we've covered this whole genre of games. We're going to do a fighting game. We're going to do Eternal Champions for the Sega Genesis and possibly also the Sega CD. I'm not 100% sure on that yet, but we're definitely going to do the Sega Genesis version. Uh, It's a game that I played so far for five minutes, and I'm absolutely terrible at it. So I think one of you guys is going to have to handle running next episode. But I'm interested in playing a game I haven't played before. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be all right. I think uh, if you're if you're going to do a fighting game, uh, that's that's tough tough territory because you know most fighters are not very heavy uh, story wise. But I think this one's interesting enough. This was a, a favorite of mine uh, growing up, and we definitely we have to uh, we have to get in the Sega CD version if for for no other reason. I think this was a selling point uh, when I presented this game to you guys. There's a fighting chick in it. I'm sold. I mean, I, I never got to play the Sega CD version of, of Eternal Champions, and I always wanted to because it looked kind of crazy. But uh, as long as there's a fighting chicken in, in something, I, I will be there. 
So hopefully you'll join us next time to hear about how great it is to play a Sega City game with a fighting chicken. Uh, but until then, please check us out on Retrovania.net, and uh, we'll see you next time. Here's a little bonus room, because I know you've had it tough. And here's a little bonus tune by collecting real cool stuff. Yes, here's a little bonus room where you can play. Don't be frightened, don't run away. You can linger, because I'm your video friend. Think of me as a father figure with a hand to land. Here's a little bonus room where you don't have to worry. Take your sweet time, you need not hurry. Oh, you're looking incredible, you're the bomb. And me, I'm kind of like your dad, and a little like your mom. There are no monsters here. Hey, wait, look over there. <laughs> I was just kidding. Don't be scared. And when you turn this game off in the real world once again, you won't have to play make-believe or try to pretend. Because I'll be right there when you open. In your hand Cause I'm your little invisible Musical friend So show me to your pets Or show me to your pals You really will impress Every nifty guy and gal Show them you're individual Show them you are bold Besides I get residuals for every game that's sold I'm your little invisible musical friend